Let's get nostalgic. We're going to look back on the top 15 wide receivers from the 2023 fantasy football season on today's episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. Welcome in. I am back. I wish I had, uh, guess who's back? back. I wish I had uh, Shady queued up right now, but I don't. And that we frankly would get like for copyright on that. Lucas yeah. Wenzel, I am back. Cameron Lawrence and Tyler Plath, all three fellas hanging out with you today. Fellas, it is good to be back. I have been traveling. I have been moving. You have been holding down the fort. Thanks for holding it down while I've been gone. It's good to have you back. I don't have to host anymore. I got to save my words. There's <laughs> <laughs> more weight now. Cameron, oh, you are oh. an exceptional host. Don't, don't, don't be so deaf. It's so self-deprecating. You I didn't want to say we were going to step back with Lucas coming back, but I'm glad you did. So thank you. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, you know, my, my back finally got a break now that I was in Florida. It felt nice. I, you know, I could feel the, my back releasing tension. I was in a lawn chair and sitting out in the sun reading my book. Oh, it was wonderful to not have that. No, it, it is good to be back with you too. We are going to break down and recap the good, the bad, and the ugly from the top 15 wide receivers from the 2023 fantasy football season. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you do that and make sure you turn on those notifications as well. When you subscribe, so you know when all of our new episodes are up and same over on YouTube, we're down only two videos a week, but it's the off season, right? We're, we're, we're taking a step back as well, but we're going to bring you content every single week. Make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications over there as well. Uh, fellas, we look, we have 15 wide receivers to cover. We got a lot of good, a lot of bad, and uh, plenty of ugly to cover in this episode. So let's not keep the people waiting. Let's dive on in and recap the top 15 wide receivers in fantasy football from 2023. So just as a reminder, uh, when Cameron and Ty, they did the top 15 running backs last week, when we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly for all of these players, the good is fairly self-explanatory, right? What are the good things that this player did this season? What contributed to their success? Uh, what were some notable things as we we're grinding through the numbers here? Um, what stood out to us as good? The bad isn't necessarily something that was bad. Um, like it, that, that's kind of what we reserve the ugly for, but, um, like for instance, like touchdown numbers, if touchdowns didn't follow players way, like that's something that would be considered bad, but clearly they're still in the top 15. So something went right for them, but just things that could be improved upon. And then the ugly is obviously just like, oh my gosh, like this is something we need to look at more into the off season. This is something we need to consider going into next year. Like what went absolutely wrong and really, um, you know, contributed to, uh, the pitfalls of said player. But let's start at 15. We're going to work our way from 15 all the way down to one. And coming in at wide receiver 15 this year in PPR formats was San Francisco 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel. Uh, and there was, look, when Debo was on the field, he was awesome this year. So Ty, why don't you give us the, the good, the bad, and the ugly Debo Samuel. Debo kind of make made us look a bit foolish, I think, because we all looked at the. Me. <laughs> I led that chart. Well, I was I was kind of on board with it though too because yeah, I was like, too. I'll take I'll take some blame for that as well. Like it was there was nothing really from last year's numbers that made you really excited going into the season, right? You were you were hoping for a lot of rushing production, and eventually you kind of got it. Um, and and he also did pretty well in the receiving game as well. I mean, he was ninth in yards after the catch. He was fourth in total touchdowns. He was a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy points per game and in yards per route run. The holy 
the holy grail of all metrics, right, for receivers. He was eighth in target separation, second in fantasy points per route, first in fantasy points per game or per target, I should say. And those those last two aren't really any, you know, stats that we can really draw anything from. It's really just taking two stats and combining them. But, um, you know, there were some ups and then there were some downs, um, you know, in the bad, like you said, Lucas, they're more so just kind of eh, disappointments more than they are like something bad. Right. But when you look at some of the, of his advanced metrics for Debo, right, it's 69th in routes ran. He was 57 the route participation. But to be completely honest, like that's par for the course when it comes to right. Debo Samuel, right? He is he is so, you know, he's so heavily utilized in other ways that a receiver isn't. He's going to take a dip in routes and, and participation and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily like it's something bad, but it, it, you look at it and you're like, what if we bump that up? Just you know, just a touch what happens. Right. Um, but then the ugly for Debo <clears throat> is that he really kind of disappeared in, in the middle part of the season for you. Um, and either you tried, you traded him away or you started losing so much because of him. I shouldn't say because of him, but a, a part of the reason why you were losing so much in the middle of your season, because first three weeks, he was the wide receiver eight averaging 19 and a half fantasy points per game. Awesome. Weeks 12 to 18, right? Wide receiver two averaging 21 face points per game. Awesome. But like I said, the middle part of the season, weeks four to 11, he's the wide receiver 74, averaging only 7.7 face points per game. And he did miss two games in that stretch. So that was kind of, uh, it, hopefully he didn't ruin your season completely. But at the same time, a stretch from, Week four to 11, that's what, seven games, eight games? It's kind of brutal. It's tough to to come back from. So, look, Debo had some really good things to his season. He also had some really disappointing things to his season. But for a top 15 wide receiver, I, it, it, it's kind of a – I don't know if fitting is the right way to say it, but we're talking about 15, a top 15 wide receiver. He had a good, He had a good season. Uh, right. Well, so I think that's the point, though, is that Debo's season could have been a lot better. Like that. That's what's scary about this, because you look at his stretch uh, four to 11, like you said, I mean, week four, he only put up point six against Arizona. He played the entire game. Uh, you know, you can if you really want to scratch week six, you can't because he only played 15 percent of the snaps before leaving with injury. And then, you know, week 10, obviously only 56 percent as he's coming back from injury. So, yeah, the injury kind of played into that. But that's what's scary is Debo's season could have been a lot better as well. And you brought up the the routes and the route participation as well. I mean, again, this is what we know about Debo Samuel. He is just hyper-efficient. You get the ball into his hands and Kyle Shanahan's offense where he can make a play happen in space. I mean, that's his bread and butter. Like, I don't think Debo is ever going to be this guy who's going to be, you know, top 25 in routes run, route participation. Maybe he will be, but... This year, especially, I mean, he was just so hyper-efficient with the opportunities that he was given. Uh, he ran away with them. Cameron, well, let's talk about another uh, 49ers wide receiver because you're going to talk about Brandon Ayuk, who came in at the wide receiver 14. He and Debo finished back to back. Mm -hmm. uh, good, the bad, and the ugly of Brandon Ayuk. Let's start with the good. Yeah, so he, on the season, 75 catches, 105 targets, 1,342 yards, and seven tutties. That's really good as a fifth round pick from you know what you want to see. He had 17.4 yards per catch, which was pretty close to um, top in the league. 
Pick, uh, Pickens had the highest in the league at 18.1. So he was right up there. And he was seventh in yards on the season, despite only 75 receptions in weeks 10 through 17. So after the bye, um, he was wide receiver six at 16.8 points per game, which I think is something to note because Debo was great during the t- same stretch as well. Yep. CMC was good during that same stretch as well, right? It was just the 49ers were clicking. But the bad, and this is what we talked about at the beginning of the season with all 49ers players, is just the volume. It's similar to Debo. He was 30th in targets and 53rd in routes run. It's the fact that this is Christian McCaffrey's team, and then everybody else has to kind of file in after. So Kittle, right? He had 1,000 yards receiving, but his his targets and his receptions were still down. Debo, targets, receptions still down. IU, targets, receptions down. It just happened to work out that this 49ers offense was so unbelievably efficient that, you know, they all got the yards. They all scored touchdowns. So all of them were still good for fantasy. But it is a little nerve wracking going into next year of can this team maintain this level of efficiency or all four of their, you know, top players, I guess these three, three receiving options outside of McCaffrey, can they maintain how good they have been? And the ugly for Ayuk kind of like Debo is it's just when you have this little amount of volume, you are going to be a little more inconsistent. So not counting week 18, which he was um, outside the top 30, but in six of his 15 weeks, he was outside top the top 30 and five is and five of those 15 weeks. He was inside the top 20, right? So he was only a top 20 wide receiver in a third of his weeks. So he was more of an average to below average wide receiver on a weekly basis. He was just consistent enough and had good enough boom weeks to kind of carry him into this, top 14 so he wasn't necessarily like a guy that was winning you a week each week but he didn't really lose you weeks either at the same time and i think that's what we're going to see as we continue to progress through these until we get to really like wide receivers eight seven Mm. even where then we'll finally start to see like oh okay these guys were a lot more consistent i think a lot of these guys who are sliding in in the you know nine to 15 range they gave you enough really really good weeks where you're you're forced into starting them every single week, mm-hmm. and then their lows were pretty low as well. And I think that was the case with Brandon Ayuk this year. Ty, what else do you want to chip in here? I was just going to say something along those same lines. I mean, we either other wide receivers were dealing with quarterback issues, injuries themselves. Like you look at guys. I mean, Justin Jefferson is probably the first name that comes to mind, right? I mean, he missed six games no eight games on the seven games sorry seven games <laughs> on the year um and so he's then in the 30s Jalen waddle i mean he was in the 30s garrett wilson with all the expectations he had with rogers dk metcalf a step back with gino right like those are some of the names that you would expect to see in that 9 to 15 range but for other reasons in their season you know that's why we're finding a Debo Samuel, a Brandon Ayuk, and some of these other guys in those spots because they were consistent enough, or they just played more games. Well, and I mean, and, and here, and I, I mentioned lack of consistency, but I'm going to transition us right into the wide receiver 13, who I think, I mean, let's be honest, like Michael Pittman Jr. might have been the staple of consistency this year. Because I mean, you look at what 109 receptions, 156 targets, 1,152 yards. Those are all career highs for Michael Pittman, and when you look at that line. Maybe outside of the 1,100 yards, you know, you'd hope that'd be in like the 1,400 yard range. You're thinking like that. That dude was the definition of consistent. He had a 30 and a half percent target share this year. That was fourth of all wide receivers, and that was nearly a five percent increase from his previous career high of 25.7 percent target share. So this man, like clear alpha in 
the Indianapolis Colts offense. I know there was a, there was a stint of like three weeks where we were like, ah, Josh Downs working his way in, and then Josh Downs just became non-existent. So that's a good with Michael Pittman. I mean, clear alpha one, 156 targets, um, clearly top one of the top target getters in the NFL this year. Uh, he has earned those targets. The bad is like Michael Pittman is is a big short not not short yardage i don't want to say that he he's a big yak guy and all the advanced metrics point to that you would hope for a few more big explosive down the field plays but like 25th in air yards he only ran 2.08 yards per route that was uh 23rd in the league this year his average depth of target was 86 he only saw 7.9 yards um again 10th in yak so that eliminates you know the, this discrepancy of seeing such a short yardage uh average depth of target but then you look at his dominator rating with how many targets with how many yards he racked up dominator rating takes the percentage of team yards uh and uh touchdowns and it, it basically it it accumulates the you know the percentage of how much of my how much michael Pittman contributed to that he was 30th in dominator rating 26.8 percent i don't i don't love that i considering he was the alpha in indianapolis i would expect a little bit more out of that again just just things that I'm flagging as as bad that I think could be improved upon in future years. But the ugly, the ugly with Michael Pittman is very obvious. He only scored four touchdowns. That is that is the ugly. I know I use that as an example of bad, but if Pittman really wants to take that next step, you know, to be a top eight to twelve alpha guy in fantasy football, he has to score more than four touchdowns. I mean, that's just inexcusable for him to only have four touchdowns on the volume that he had. I mean, four four touchdowns on 109 receptions. Like that's just that's just not a good number. So that's what's going to put him over the top. Is if he increases on these touchdowns, that's what's going to put him ahead of. I mean, you look at the guys in in you know 10, 11, 12, even nine on this list. If Michael Pittman scores three more touchdowns this year, we're talking about him as a top ten fantasy wide receiver. So the good, the bad, and the ugly, Pittman. Big target hog, clear number one guy in Indy. The bad is just, is just the role. You you want to see more you know opportunity for downfield explosive plays. Just not not getting that. But again, that's just who Michael Pittman is as a wide receiver. And the ugly is, my gosh, that man cannot find the end zone. Someone someone give him a touchdown or two extra next year because uh, that's really what's going to put him over the top if he continues to to sustain this volume going into twenty twenty four. Yeah. I I think that's just been the concern with Michael Pittman, especially this last few years. It's last year, 99 receptions, and yet he didn't even have a hundred or a thousand yards. Right. It's he's he is in this role. He's kind of like a Deontay Johnson, except he's 6'4, 225. So you want him to, you know, go down the field and make a big catch. He just hasn't been that. And you were kind of hoping, hey, Shane Steichen coming in, you know, maybe we see him down the field a little bit. We didn't. We you know, like you said, the A dot was super low. You you just never saw that from him. And his career high in touchdowns is six. He's had four each of the last two seasons. Right. So you hope, I hope he stays in Indianapolis, and I hope Richards he's able to you know find his way down the field a little bit more with Anthony Richardson, a guy who kind of showed you know he's willing to air it out. He has when, arm. Yep. Yeah. And so that's my hope for him is that you can just move it a little farther because if you move that A dot from eight yards and all of a sudden you're at like 10, 11, and he gets the same amount of targets, you know, receptions might come down a little bit, but also the fantasy points are so much bigger for Michael Pittman. So I think, I think exactly what you said, it's just the efficiency of him being able to get, you know, to a top five guy at his current pace, he would need like 160 receptions, you know? So yeah, right, it's just, right. it's, 
you're just hoping for a little bit more down the field. I mean, four receiving touchdowns, right? Uh, you touched on a Lucas. That's something that we want to see jump up to more than six if that's his mm -hmm. career high, right? Right. And there's some kind of hope, I guess, right? You you get Anthony Richardson back fully healthy. You're going to get a full season of Jonathan Taylor. Then, like, maybe this offense becomes even more efficient going into next year, and that means mm -hmm. more scoring opportunities. But then the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are they really actually going to throw in more in those scenarios when you've got a running quarterback like Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor still in the backfield. So right. it, it's going to be a fascinating debate to see how many people think, or, you know, to see who will believe, who believes that Michael Pittman can do, uh, do better in that touchdown category than he did really his entire career so far. Yeah. And he is under unrestricted free agent. So he could be, you know, wherever next year too. That's a, right. another big, big consideration. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I agree with your sentiment, Cameron, of I really do hope he stays in Indianapolis because I do mm -hmm. think they can build something out with this offense there if they do bring Michael Pittman back with Anthony Richardson coming back next year. I think he's worth keeping around to continue building, uh, you know, this Indianapolis Colts offense for the years to come with Shane Steichen. Let's get let's get Anthony Richardson some stability uh, and let's not make Shane Steichen try and figure things out with new weapons. Um, I would like to see him stay in Indianapolis, but. That will be determined this offseason. Let's uh, move on to 12. We got to keep things moving here. We got quite a few more wide receivers to cover. Uh, look, this is a guy I take a lot of pride in joining this year in Taiwa. You give us the good and bad and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and take a victory lap now that I have a ginormous room to do so in. <laughs> Nico Collins, ladies and gentlemen, finished as a top 12 wide receiver on the year. He was, I, I, Cam, you can maybe differ. Come on, on this, now. But. All, I think all three of us were really in on Nico Collins as like yes. you know, the late round wide receiver to target in every draft. No, you both were in on him too. We were, but I wasn't you, quite you, as much. I wasn't quite as much. I'll admit him. I was a John Mechie believer and I was very wrong. So I'll give it to you too. Yeah. Well, and Lucas had the room to victory yep. lap. I'm kind of coughing cornered here in my own little setup, but um, <laughs> I'm tripping over boxes that are on unpa packed behind me. <laughs> So look, the neat, the, the good for Nico Collins, top 10 in yards after the catch, receiving yards, fantasy points per game, yards per reception, yard or uh, yards per route run, yards per reception. That's kind of confusing that I put him literally back to back in the, in the dock, but fantasy points per route and fantasy points per target, kind of similar to Debo Samuel in the way where it was just efficiency and big plays mm -hmm. and ample touchdown numbers, right? Um, the bad for Nico Collins we're going to be picking, you know, we're splitting hairs here. We're going to get real nitpicky because for a guy that was going as late as Nico Collins was as late as Nico Collins was, was there really any bad? And like the only bad that I could find was that he had four games with less than seven fantasy points, but three of those, I, all of them happened before fantasy playoffs. He missed the first week of fantasy playoffs. So maybe you didn't go far in your playoffs because you didn't have a Nico Collins available but that was really about it. Like it was, you know, the, the, the four games, one of those games is the game that he left early because it was, it was the, uh, the jets game. So it was like, I guess it's two. Technically you didn't play in one got injured super early in that jets game. So it's really just two games. Um, and the ugly is kind of what I just said about the bad. Like, is it really anything ugly for a guy that was taking that late in drafts? Like, mm -hmm. Sure, I think the only thing, you know, the only ugly is that maybe this season is a bit of a facade, a little bit. The guy 
caught almost like what was it 74 percent of his targets that's unreal that's yeah. unreal only 29 of his targets were not caught yeah. in the in the only wide receiver that I could find in like the last five years who's like in the 20s of targets not caught was Hunter Renfro in 21. That was yeah. it. That's it. So that dude plays in the slot. That's not I, even that impressive. Right. So <laughs> I, I think it is, what, but it, yes, it still is. I think when I say facade, I mean more so like we see, we, we saw a hyper efficient offense in Seattle last year. And then we saw it in the second year where they, it was a massive dip in efficiency when it came to the passing game. And I kind of worry that that could happen to Houston. You know, we can give the argument that, oh, the film is out now and teams know how Houston wants to play and all that kind of stuff. But it was I'm, Nico Collins, arguably the biggest, you know, the best value in your drafts this year. Top 10 in fantasy points per game, top 12 wide receiver on the year. There's not much bad when it comes to Nico Collins after what we saw this year, though. So, so here, here's what I'll say: the ugly is for Nico Collins because I, I would agree with you for where you got him, and and if we're evaluating this from a fantasy football perspective, there's really not a lot of ugly and things you can complain about with Nico. The ugly is that he's just bad on the road. Like mm. things did not go his way when he was on the road this year. I mean, you look at him in home games, nine home games, 55 receptions for 906 yards. We're talking about. A nearly a thousand yard receiver at home this year, it's averaging a hundred yards per game at home. Like that is absurd. Caught seven touchdowns. Seven of his eight touchdowns were at home. Then you look on the road, right? Played six games at home, and I know there's that that Jets game in there, right? Where it gets a little bit foggy. Of okay, could he've had could he have had more yards? He technically logged the game, but like only sixty five yards per game on the road. Only one receiving touchdown on the road. So part of me is like that's par for the course right? Like, especially with rookie CJ Stroud, let's get him under the home lights. Let's get him with the home crowd. He'll play a lot better there. I think that's just kind of par for the course, but I would say that's, for me, that's the ugly is that you could almost kind of pick and choose when you wanted to play Nico. If he was on the road, you know what? He might not be your best option, but if he's at home, you better fire him up because that dude could drop you a hundred and a touchdown uh, and give you a 20 plus point week. If he averages, you know, four or five receptions on top of that. So, I mean, all in all, you're right, Ty. There's not a lot of bad you can look at from Nico Collins this year because he was absolutely phenomenal. He was everything and more than I thought he was going to be this year. Um, and I, I, again, this is an offense that we're really going to have to look at closely going into next year, especially with Tank Dell, especially with CJ Stroud in year two. What are teams going to do to adjust? Uh, is uh, Bobby Slowick going to be around? Is he going to go, you know, go be a head coach now as well? Like, What's going to happen here? There's going to be a lot to track there this offseason. Cameron, anything you want to chip in here before – uh, we get to 11. Yeah, that's all I was going to say is that there's going to be a lot of changes happening. It'll be interesting how drafts shake out. Like, are people going to value yeah. Tank Delb higher because of the, you know, he was just that big flash in the pan that got hurt? Um, are they going to discount him violating Nico really high? Dalton Schultz, is he going to be back? Are they going to rely on Devin Singleton? You know, there's just so much facets of their offense that are probably going to change this next season that it'd be really interesting just to see what it's even going to look like next season, much less like how everyone's going to perform. Right, and and we'll track that as we go throughout the offseason. That's why you should make sure you're following us on our socials. FFL is on Twitter, the FFL is on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and, and here on the pod and YouTube, obviously. Um, you know, we'll be tracking all that as the season goes on, as the offseason goes on here, excuse me. But uh, Cameron, let's get to 11 here. I think this the, this player season could have gone a lot better. Uh, still plenty of good, but man, the, the bad and the ugly here are 
really what what brings this star player down to 11. Yeah, it's I honestly think if you take away um, Cooper Cup, we might be talking about Jamar Chase as one of the biggest wide receiver busts in the first round. Um, he still had 100 receptions, still had 145 targets, still had you know, 1,216 yards and seven touchdowns. The problem was it was just where he was being drafted, right? He was going second. Some people were taking him first, third, right? He was a top five pick in every every single fantasy draft. Um, and he still had five, you know, top 12 finishes. But like you said, the biggest thing for Jamar Chase this year wasn't that he looked bad. It didn't look like Jamar Chase took a step back. It was the fact that Joe Burrow played hurt, and then he finally finally looked decent, and then he got hurt, and then he had Jake Browning. So it was just not great quarterback play, but he still, you know, finishes a wide receiver one technically on the season, a wide receiver 11. So I would consider that the good. The bad is the advanced stats were not fun. 24th in target rate, which blew my mind. The fact that he can be that good and he's 24th in target rate, 26th in air yards for a guy you banked on explosive plays um, from 82nd and A dot, 26th in deep targets, 26th in yards per out run, and he's 21st in fantasy yards per out run. And really, the the biggest part for him was the ugly. Was he had nine games outside the top thirty wide receivers? That that is a lot for a guy that you're drafting that early. That's Austin Eckler territory. Right. Um, and you know, in the last weeks fourteen to seventeen, he was um fifty wide receiver fifty seven, wide receiver thirty nine, did not play wide receiver fifty six, wide receiver fifty nine. So he just absolutely killed you in the fantasy playoffs. There was absolutely no help, and he was definitely your wide receiver one. And he scored sixty percent of his fantasy points in five of his sixteen games this year, right? So when he was when he was great, like he had a fifty-five point performance, he was phenomenal, phenomenal. But when he wasn't, forty percent of his fantasy points were in eleven games. So it's just you know it was a lot of boom, but with a lot of bust, and a lot of that you got to think came from the quarterback play this season. I mean, it was kind of a year from hell for for the Cincinnati Bengals when you yeah. when Joe Burrow was coming in banged up. Mm-hmm. Obviously not looking good. Then he just absolutely like literally mid game can't throw a football. Like literally mm-hmm. can't even hold on to a football. I still think of that clip on the sideline all the time where he's trying to throw it, and literally the ball like he gets to about if you're watching on yeah. YouTube, it's like right at the side of his head, and it literally comes out of his hand sideways because he can't hold on to the football. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Jake Browning did what he could. Man, he mm-hmm. he gave Jamar Chase some relevancy at points, but part of me is like, you know what? Dump it, scratch it, throw it out. It's garbage. Uh, Jamar Chase will be fine, but. Mm-hmm. It, it really was just so much bad this year and the ugly just made everything worse, but I don't think that's going to be what's going to be par for the course. No. And it'll be really interesting going into next year with drafts of where does he go, right? Does he maintain right. this top five or are we going to be seeing him in the same range? We saw CD lamb this last year. If we see him in the same range, we saw CD lamb. We could see a very similar, you know, path where, you're at the end of the first round. You get a guy who could average 28.5 fantasy points per game down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I, I I think next year will be interesting to see if he gets bumped down. I, he shouldn't, you know, if Burrow's back healthy. But we fantasy community is very temperamental, that's for sure. Uh, temperamental is a great word because I think if he's anywhere outside of the top five, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be all over it. Uh, Ty, yep. anything you want to add on to this uh, Jamar Chase dumpster fire at all? I'm just... It's not even a Jamar Chase thing. I'm yeah. just curious to see what happens with T. Higgins. Yeah. Yes. If he That's leaves, the other thing. well, and, and it's not just T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, too. Like Tyler Boyd, I think, has one year, but like they save like six million cap space if they let him go. So for all we know, if they let both walk, it could be Jamar Chase. And if 
if that happens and he's still going into CD lamb range, you can count me in that Jamar chase is going to be like the most drafted wide receiver for my teams next year. I mean, I, I just don't think we can forget how elite of a talent this guy is. Yes. Like that's hundred percent. He is still talented. The, the, you, you read the box score stats for how good they still were, despite how awful the season was mm-hmm. for the Cincinnati Bengals. That should give you more than enough hope and, and affirmation that Jamar chase will be just fine going into next year. This is a dump it, trash it year. Things will improve next year. I don't think this will be the new norm for Jamar Chase. Let's take a quick break before we get into the top 10 wide receivers here. Uh, I'll hear from our friends over at Underdog Fans. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLOWS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. we are back man it's been a while since i've done that that was fun uh we're gonna get through uh the top 10 wide receivers from the 2023 fantasy football season the good the bad and the ugly we're gonna keep it chugging here fellas because we only got 30 minutes wide receiver 10 on the year i can't believe he was the wide receiver 10 so i'm gonna be perfectly honest with you when i was going through this list and i saw i had to talk about Devonte adams my first thought no joke was holy crap he was still the top 10 wide receiver Mm-hmm. <laughs> because look i mean he salvaged his season by being an alpha like a pure alpha and and, and that's the good that, that's literally the only good you can look at from this year 175 targets 33 percent target share 31.1 percent targets per route run meaning he was targeted on just over 31 percent of his routes those were all second in the league this year and that's what salvaged Devonte adams season because the bad the bad is i i i can't even like contribute some of the the ugly i should really start with the ugliness but the bad is that his quarterback play was jimmy garoppolo aiden o'connell and brian hoyer like who who else had worse quarterback did anybody have worse quarterback play this year was it the jets vikings look like a bunch of pro ballers i just it, it was awful that's the bad so i like you can't really fault Devontae adams for that but you look at the ugly oh my gosh where do we even want to begin with this the metrics were just down across the board this year. I mean, 11, 1100, 100, oh my goodness, 1,144 yards. I can't even spit that number out. That was the fewest since 2017 where he played at least 14 games. Uh, he only played 12 games, and I believe it was 2018, uh, if I'm remembering my numbers correctly. But in 14-plus games played, 1,144 yards. That is the fewest since 2017 for Devontae Adams. Eight receiving touchdowns. That's the fewest since 2015 with the same parameters. 11.1 yards per reception, fewest since 2015. Under two yards per route run, 1.97. That is the fewest since 2017. And his yards after catch, only 337. Devontae kind of been sitting somewhere between that 450 to 550 range over the past few years. But again, the fewest since 2017. And look, the dude just, he absolutely vanished uh, in weeks five through nine. And, that, and that's when people really were just like, I'm done, crash it. I, I want nothing to do with Devontae Adams anymore. He was the wide receiver 64 in fantasy points per game. 
Wide receiver 45, wide receiver 69, nice. Wide receiver 24, the wide receiver 100, and the wide receiver 45 in those games. I mean, he went absolutely vanished. He was nowhere to be found. He scored less. This sums it up. He scored less fantasy points than Jake Bobo. Fantasy points per game. Less than Jake Bobo, Josh Reynolds, DJ Chark, Khalil Herbert, and <clears throat> Brandon Powell during <clears throat> that stretch. Khalil Shakir. Did I say Herbert? Yeah. I thought about it, and then I kept going. Khalil Shakir, because I was on a roll. Sorry. Khalil Shakir. Nope, you're good. That, that, that was good catch. That was a good catch. Uh, look, he scored less fantasy points per game than all those dudes. That's the ugly for Devontae Adams. I mean, it literally, I a career worst, not career worst, but like Devontae Adams out of the last seven years, this is his worst year by far. Uh, and, and it's not even close. Yes, somehow he managed to be top 10. And that's that's the thing with Devontae Adams. Unless of his quarterback play improves, I'm worried this is the new normal for Devontae Adams. And when we get more guys who are healthy, when we get guys who get their quarterbacks back, how far does Devontae Adams fall down the chain? I think he was lucky to salvage a top 10 season this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Cameron, you had him on your dynasty team, mm-hmm. and, and you felt this the oh, entire I, I, I know it was a tough year. Um, <laughs> yeah, over the last two years, he's had 375 targets. That's most of any wide receiver the last two years. He has caught 203 of them. 375 targets, he has caught 203. That's 57% catch rate. That is the lowest of any wide receiver with at least 200 targets over the last year. And he's... Last season was 100 receptions on 180 targets. This year, 103 receptions on 175 targets. He has been the worst two years in a row at a catch rate, and it has a lot to do with quarterback play. It has a lot to do with the fact that they throw it to him, and it's nowhere near him You know, 80% of the time. So it's good to see that they're at least continuing to try to throw him the ball. They just need somebody who can actually you know, get the job Deliver done. Deliver him the ball. Yes. Right. That I mean, that's the big thing. Ty, you just breathed a very heavy sigh because why? <laughs> well, I just you guys remember at the beginning of the season when Jacoby Myers was kind of a thing. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it, it was kind of a disappointing season because I don't know how good the outlook can be for a guy that's going on his 31st year. Um with a team that seems comfortable to ride with Aiden O'Connell still somehow, some way, like, I don't know. And the last piece of the puzzle, they currently don't have an offensive coordinator. Okay. But here are the guys that they have scheduled interviews with. Oh gosh. I don't want to know this list. Alex Van Pelt, the former Browns offensive coordinator champion who let over the, you know, his last three positions, he was a quarterback's coach in Green Bay from 2014 to 2017. He was a quarterback's coach in Cincinnati from 2018 to 2019, and then they fired him, and that was when they brought in Joe Burrow. And then he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland and quarterback's coach from 2020 to 2023. So there is nothing really uh, substantial in his last like decade of work. Uh, Dan Pitcher, Bengals quarterback's coach, which I get it, it's Joe Burrow, but at the same time, we just saw a quarterback's coach become an offensive coordinator in a much better offense in Philadelphia, and look how that turned out. The kid, the guy doesn't even have his job anymore. Then the last guy, we kind of joked about oh this earlier. Gosh. No, th- this, I, th- this is, this is, this is Devonte Adams' downfall. Yeah. If Luke freaking Getzey gets hired, oh yeah, my Luke, gosh, Luke Getzey, like how. 
it doesn't look like it's going to get much better for the guy. Like, and it stinks because you know the talent that's Devontae. And like I said, it's the quarterbacks. It's the potential offensive coordinators are going to have next year. It's not looking great for Devontae, let's be honest. So let, let's move on to number nine then because I, I similar boat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I similar boat. The thing is, Stefan Diggs at least started the year off really hot. He was a wide receiver one through the first at least six, four or five weeks of the season. It's phenomenal. But then, my gosh, I don't know what in the world happened. I, 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 there needs to be a case study on this because Stefan Diggs still the wide receiver nine on the year. But I mean, break down the good, the bad, and the ugly here, Ty. And I'm guessing we're going to spend a lot of time on the ugly. Yeah. So I'll just kind of blow through the good and the bad first. But he was six in targets or receptions on the year, even with his uh, second half performance. He did put up over 150 targets again. That's a fourth straight season of that for Stephon Diggs. The bad, he was 31st in yards per route run. Not super great. He was 51st in fantasy points per target. That's not all. That's not great also. But here's where the discussion really starts. I can't even say it starts because I don't even know where to start when it comes to the ugly for Stephon Diggs. The fact that he had more finishes outside the top 45 with six than finishes inside the top 10 with five or that he averaged 9.8 fantasy points per game from week 10 until the end of the season. The wide receiver 44, wide receiver 46 in fantasy points per game after averaging 21 and a half the first nine weeks where he was the wide receiver three and the wide receiver four in points per game. Yeah. It's, I don't think I've ever seen such a dramatic like fall from grace that what Stefan Diggs went through this year. And maybe we, you know, you chalk it up to the change in play caller from Ken Dorsey to uh, Joe Brady. I don't know if that's the complete picture or complete answer for you. We just saw it in this Kansas city Buffalo playoff game. There's a disconnect between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs right now. And I look, we can get into the debate of whose fault it is, but we all know who the real diva is between the two of those guys because it's been going on for the past four off seasons. Literally. And now people are starting to plead to get him out of Buffalo because apparently, you know, it's too much. tracking tracking a deep ball is now Josh Allen's fault when it's bread basket. <laughs> like, I don't know. I it, Stephon Diggs is going to be an interesting one last year. How much of a recency bias is his ADP going to be next year? Who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Because who knows? Maybe they, maybe Buffalo doesn't bring back Joe Brady. Who knows? Maybe they keep him there. Who knows? Um, but Stefan Diggs, probably the biggest reason why your team did not succeed in fantasy this year, after even after such an incredibly hot start to the year. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't bring Joe Brady back because that Bills team was the hottest team in the NFL going yeah. into that Kansas City game. And they literally they they could have won it if it weren't for a missed field goal. They had a chance to win that game. Um, so I I think Joe Brady is still probably going to be the guy there with a good offense as a team's offensive coordinator. I mean, the thing you have to point out with Stefan Diggs, I mean, Ty, you nailed it. The, like week nine is where it fell off. Because before then, Diggs only had two games with less than eleven targets the first eight weeks. Then after that, he only had two games with more than ten targets. 
I mean, the targets dipped to seven, five, eight, 11, 11, five, eight, seven, eight. And like, you like, ah, you know what? Eight's a pretty good number. Yeah, at 8, 12, 13, 14, like he's normally commanding. That's the thing. And if he's not even getting the volume, not even getting the opportunity to catch passes, it's it's just not going to equate to anything. And those receiving numbers, my God, they are just I, – I can't look at the webpage anymore. Um, look, Cameron, anything you want to top on here? Because, I mean, that's the story of Stephon Diggs. It was a tale of two halves of the season, and one was one heck of a lot better than the other. Yeah, I mean, the only person that probably has a close, you know, fall off to that is Travis Kelsey this year as right. well. You know, we saw a huge fall off there. But Diggs and um, Adams are going to be in pretty sim- – like, not similar situations, you know, because Diggs has Josh Allen and Devonta Adams has no, Aaron O'Connell. Right. But from the fact of, you know, Diggs can be 31 next year, Adams will be 32. Um, the cap hit um, for a dead cap on Devonta Adams is $44,000. Diggs is $31,000, right? Those are tough contracts to move if they want out. You know, it's going to be really hard to force your way out if you do want out. So there's just a lot of factors at play for both of these guys that it's going to be really interesting just to see, you know, the offseason saga. How, how does it look? What all is all going to happen? Because, you know, Diggs is signed through 2027. Adam signed through 2026. So these guys are supposed to be connected to these places for a while. And they got a lot of money tied up in that. Let's move on to number eight. Uh, speaking of teams that are going to have plenty of questions of what they're going to do with their weapons this offseason, uh, I think we can add Keenan Allen to that list as well with the San, with the San Diego Chargers, not quite Los Angeles Chargers, formerly San Diego Chargers. Um, let's talk about Keenan Allen. And Cam, if you want to take a quick victory lap here, you can go ahead and do a spin in your chair, do whatever you want, because you, you, were, you were the main proponent of uh, Keenan Allen on this show this offseason. But uh, let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly here. Uh, yeah. Because for for most of the year, I mean, Keenan was phenomenal, and and mm-hmm. the uh, like. Not to spoil your ugly, but the ugly is that he just missed the tail end of the year, and you were spoiled of, you know, a potential league winner like we predicted. Yeah, uh, he is. He's been my him and Joe Mixon really have been my guys, and I, Keenan <laughs> Allen, I did back off this year. I backed off Joe Mixon a little bit. Have been my guys since we started this podcast, really. Yeah. Um, and so it's just fun to see. But yeah, like you said, those he only played thirteen games. And he had one hundred eight receptions, one hundred fifty targets. Would have been first in both if he would have. You know, kept up that streak through the end of the season. Um, 21.5 fantasy points per game. He was a wide receiver three in fantasy points per game behind only Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. Um, in the 12 games with Justin Herbert, he averaged eight and a half receptions, 11 and a half targets, 97 yards, and 0.6 touchdowns for 22.2 fantasy points per game. And he was a wide receiver too. Right. I mean, the dude was phenomenal when he was on the field. Um, the bad is he finished with five weeks outside the top 25, but he did have seven weeks inside the top 20, you know, 12 to kind of balance it out. So it was a couple, you know, a couple of really, little more rough weeks, but the ugly, like you said, it's just that he didn't play. And it's tough because that was the, that was, you know, that's always been the thing with Keenan Allen. Oh, he's injury. You know, we got to be concerned about injuries. And I, you know, part of it was Justin Herbert was out there, nothing to play for. It sounded like Keenan could have, you know, could have came back if Herbert's still in. But there's no reason to push a guy who's 31 years old to play three meaningless games at the end of the year, especially if you're either looking to, you know, maybe, you know, trade him if you want him to play on your team. You know, you want him to be healthy going into next year. So that that was just a tough end of the season. But yeah, when him and Herbert were on the field at the same time, 21 point or 22.2 fantasy points per game. There's there's literally nothing more you could ask for from a mid fourth round pick for when he was on the field. Um, going, but going into next year, like you said, it's it's going to be interesting with his, his contract, Mike Will's contract. Mike Will will be back. Um, 
what they decide to do. They're obviously going to go in a new direction from Brandon Staley. So there's a lot of moving pieces to this team. But as far as this year, when Keenan Allen was about as good as you could ask for when he was out there. Out there. I mean, just volume king. I mean, that's yeah. that was the name of his game. I mean, he's like Michael Pittman Jr. is like Keenan Allen light, if you really yeah. want to think about it that way. Uh, because Keenan Allen, the clear alpha, clear peppered with targets in that offense. He was a lot of fun to have, but yeah, you, you got spoiled of a league winner. We're just going to mm-hmm. be honest about it. You got spoiled of a league winner, uh, just like we predicted at the start of the year. Uh, I, I don't know how much more we can really add on to that, Ty. Is there mm-hmm. anything you wanted to chip in? I guess just kind of a recap of the last three guys, Devon, uh, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, and probably the next guy that we're going to talk about. There's a changing of the guard happening with these wide receivers because we're getting older, we're getting quarterback situations and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, it's... Uh, I don't, I, it's sentimental. It's emotional. Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Devontae Adams have been good for so long, and uh, it's about it's all going to change going into next year. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the next guy at seven. Mike Evans uh, was the wide receiver seven this year. Uh, look, the good with Mike Evans, another thousand yard season. You know, put him put him in the rafters at this point. Uh, tenth straight season hasn't had less than a thousand yards. In any season of his career, he was uh, another 12-plus touchdown season this year. It's his fifth of his career, and he was first in all air yards this year. Mike Evans was used down the field, used as an end zone threat. He was heavily involved in the bad. Like I feel like I, I really feel bad calling this a bad, but just looking at you know what 2015, 2016 Mike Evans demanded, um, you know 136 targets was 16th of all wide receivers this year. I considering Chris Godwin. Uh, is the wide receiver too. And, and that's no knock on Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans is clearly better than Chris Godwin right now. Um, I feel like he should be able to command more than 136 targets, but hey, you know what? Top 10 numbers, 12 touchdowns. I'm not going to complain about it because that's what you've always gotten from Mike Evans in his career. Uh, and look, the ugly Mike Evans, it's, it's what we've always known about him. He's going to bail you out with the touchdowns. He had 66 or less receiving yards in nine of 17 games this year. And he had four less receptions in eight of 17. I look again for, for a guy who's going to be an alpha who, you know, who I want to try and command 12, 13 targets a game. Uh, I want to see those numbers higher. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, being banked out on bailed out on touchdowns hmm. in every game. But, but again, that's just who Mike Evans is as a player. And that's why we do these recaps, right? We can say like, you know what? He did it again. Maybe that's just who Mike Evans is. And we just can't hope for, you know, another 160 plus target year for Mike Evans. But it's the things that will point out the trends that we've been seeing. We won't call it good. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a downfall, but yeah, the ugly is that man, he's, he's really bailing you out on touchdowns and you really got to hope those touchdowns keep coming along. Mike Evans has also proven that he can do it throughout his entire career. Yeah, I'd say the real ugly for Mike Evans, and this doesn't have to do with fantasy, is the drops. I mean, this dude, oh, yeah. unlike he's unlike anyone I've ever seen. He just, I mean, hits, yeah. it hits him in the hands. He'll drop three in a row, and then one hand falling back and hitting the middle of it, and he yep. makes it. It's just, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But yeah, um, and there's not much more you could ask for from Mike Evans. No, literally not much more you can ask for from Mike Evans, and. I I didn't even I didn't even think about the drops. I was crunching box. I was crunching advanced. <laughs> no, box yeah, no. I mean, it really doesn't like, have to do with fantasy. It's just no. But you're one hundred percent right because it's killer. Because you know yeah. what? In some of those games where he did have less than sixty six <laughs> receiving yards, I guarantee you he snags one of those. And you know what? You're like, ah, hey, you know what? Wasn't as bad of a week as it could. Yeah. Be. Um. 
for sure. But let, let's move on to number six. Uh, and I can't believe it that DJ Moore finished as a top seven wide receiver this year. It kind of makes me sick, Ty. I don't know about you. Um, I, give, give us the good, the bad, and the ugly here because there's – I think a lot of people are, are, are anti-DJ Moore because they're like, oh, you know, he had two big games, man. He had carried the rest of the season. I I get it. There was a three-game stint with, with Tyson Bajant, but outside of that, like, DJ Moore looked apart this year. He did. Um and I, you know, it was kind of strange because I remember when the trade with Carolina happened in the offseason and everyone's like, that DJ Moore piece is so critical for Chicago. And I was like, at that point, I never really thought of DJ Moore as like the game changer that everyone talked him to be. And AJ Brown, right. Right. And uh, well, he showed it this year. So I'm just going to zip my trap when it comes to that and uh, just recognize talent and the fact that he made this offense 10 times better than it was the year before. Um, he was top 10 receiving yards, yards after the catch in touchdowns, air yard share. Most, you know, when the ball was being thrown, it was going towards DJ Moore. Um, he was a target hog. He was top 10 in target share, weighted opportunity. Yeah, everything you, you clearly saw exactly why Chicago went out and asked and got him in that trade with Carolina because he took the offense to another level. And yep. it's not the first time that we've seen teams with a young quarterback go trade for a um, stud wide receiver. I mean, we saw Philly do it with AJ Brown. Um, it, it, it dramatically improves the output and efficiency of the offense. Um, the bad with DJ Moore really is just that he was 30th in targets per route run. So I think that's more of an indictment. It's more of an indictment on the system than it was anything between Justin Fields or DJ Moore. I just think because if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to try to look up what the uh, team pass plays per game stat was for the Bears. It was not very good from what I remember. Like they they like to run the ball, and part of that was Luke Getzey. Yeah, Luke Getzey. Um, and the ugly, though, for DJ Moore is that he just did you no favors in fantasy playoffs. 9.2 in Week 15, 4.8 in Week 16. And then he did do decently well against Atlanta in Week 17, but then in Week 18, just 10.5 points. Um, Shane Waldron is now the offensive coordinator in Chicago. That makes it interesting. We all know the quarterback situation in Chicago is going to be a topic of discussion for the entire offseason until we get to the draft. Caleb Williams, Justin Fields. We know that he has been very vocal for Justin Fields. It's going to get really interesting if Chicago doesn't go with Justin Fields. But um, like I said at the very beginning, for all of you that had questions exactly like how good DJ Moore was just because, you know, he had the Carolina impact, I'll call it. Um he showed you that he is still what that he is actually one of the better wide receivers in the league. Um, it should be most, you know, close to top 10 wide receivers in drafts next year, because this offense is uh, built for DJ Moore to succeed. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> so that's the thing with DJ Moore, though. Like all these players, it seems like thus far, so many moving pieces. Is it Justin Fields or Caleb Williams? If it's not Caleb Williams, it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. I find it hard to believe Chicago trades any further than three. So is it DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr.? What does that mean then? Yeah. 
I just and if it, if it is Caleb Williams, is is DJ Moore still like he's going to be the one? But how is Caleb Williams going to succeed? Is there going to be growing pains? Yeah. Uh, Shane Waldron, what is this like? Luke Getzey, sure, yeah, not the greatest offense in the world. Shane Waldron likes to play with pace, but yeah, what does that do for DJ Moore? And I'm not saying Shane Waldron is the biggest what if here, but it's it's another piece of the puzzle that we have to put together and be ready to evaluate properly this offseason along with literally the other laundry list of things the Chicago Bears have. Yeah, I think as long as it's not Marvin Harrison, I think he's going to be fine cuz you think about it, if if it is Kale Williams, Justin Fields was under 200 yards passing a game this season on 60% completion percentage, right? Kale Williams isn't going to do worse from a passing yeah. perspective for DJ Moore this next year. But if it is Marvin Harrison, and Justin Fields and DJ Moore, then you know it really could be pretty interesting this next year. Gosh, I just have an aneurysm every single time I see a Chicago fan go, We want Marvin Harrison. We will keep Justin Fields. Caleb Williams is better than Justin Fields is right now. I just need to say it. I just need to say it. Okay. It's I it, and I swear if it's not, if they if they do trade back and take Marvin Harrison, it uh golly, I <laughs> I'm gonna. I don't. I look. Look. I, I know your frustration with that. I agree with you. I think they should still take Caleb, Caleb Williams number one and trade Justin Fields. But there's also like a legitimate culture, chemistry building piece that might actually be worth more than than you know, the analyst want to, wants to give a credit for mm-hmm. in terms of keeping Justin Fields around. To which, in that case, you throw in Marvin Harrison into that to add another weapon, or maybe Brian Poles just does something absolutely ludicrous and trades down to like seven or eight takes with a with with an atlanta team and and you know takes more offensive line takes more defensive pieces and accumulates even more future draft capital which you know frankly might might not even be the worst idea sorry chicago um i look chicago has so much on the laundry list this offseason i don't think it's worth trying to speculate right now but the point is dj moore came in and he once again proved that in fantasy football these guys who with with high upside high talent ceilings that get attached to these young blossoming quarterbacks can produce outrageous numbers for fantasy football. And that's what DJ Moore did this year. It's what AJ Brown did. Tyree kill, not necessarily young, but when he went to Miami to play with two attack of Iloa, we all saw what happened there. I mean, these guys who, these young quarterbacks who get these stud wide receivers, they give them the numbers. And DJ Moore is just another statistical plot point on that model. Uh, look, we have, we're, we're at the top five. We really got to fly through these top five wide receivers here. And frankly, I don't think we want to spend too much time on these top five because we all know how good they are, except for number four. We might want to spend a little bit more time on him. But uh, A.J. Brown comes in at number five. Cameron, give us the good, bad, the ugly. Yeah, this season, 106 receptions, 158 targets, 1,456 yards and seven touchdowns. And I think he really established that if there was any thought, you know, that Devonta Smith might start really being like a 1B, like, no, it's it's AJ Brown's team. You know he out targeted Devonta Smith by forty four on the season. He's a back to back top five top five seasons. He had that stretch from weeks four to nine where he was on fire, finished as top fifteen wide receiver in each week at least eighteen fantasy points. Um, but the bad for him is, you know the the touchdowns and the yards per reception came down. It was he was closer to thirteen this year after being close to eighteen last season. Um, and I think this just led to. You know, he had four single-digit performances, but at the same time, the receptions came up, the targets came up. So it kind of, I think, is a good thing. You know, you're not depending on the big play for AJ Brown quite as much, but it, I think it does, at the same time, it limited his huge weeks 
Because, you know, remember, I mean, if you remember last season, it was just like every other week it felt like the dude was dropping 30, 35 plus. Um, and then the ugly was he did slow down from weeks 11 to 17. He was the wide receiver 24 um, in that stretch. It was only 12.3 points per game and only one touchdown. He had less receptions and yards and touchdowns than Devonta Smith during that time as well. Um, I, I think that's just one of the ebbs and flows. You know, we talk about these stretches and sometimes it's just like that's just how the season works out. I don't think that's something that you're going, ooh. AJ Brown's falling off, but because the whole Eagles offense, you know, didn't look great the second half of the season. So like you said, he he is elite. He's going to continue to be elite. And if he's going to move more and towards more receptions, lower yards per yards per reception, that's probably better from just a consistency standpoint moving forward. We're going to have to track the Philadelphia Eagles moves throughout the offseason. Again, another team that's just like this offense could change. Mm-hmm. People are talking about AJ Brown being. I, I I think we're getting a little too premature on a lot of that. Like Stefan yeah. Diggs, I could see a little bit. He's been there for in Buffalo for longer. He's been much more vocal about the state of the team for longer and his role. I AJ Brown's going to be just fine where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Hurts will be back. I don't know what offense the Eagles are running this year. It didn't look like an offense. It was a pathetic offense at that. I think they just have a lot of soul searching to do this off season and whoever Nick Sirianni does choose to bring in around him. You know, I really hope just like when he was hired as a head coach, you know, he can really start building out this team and this offense again. So again, we'll have to see what they do with their, their coordinator moves this off season. But yeah, AJ Brown is one to track. I think he's safely going to continue to be in this top, you know, five to seven realm every single year. But I don't know if we're going to get that top three year unless if things really continue to click on offense. He can't he can't have a slump in the second half of the season like he just did this year mm-hmm. if he wants to continue being a top five guy. It's as simple for sure. as that. For sure. Uh, let's talk about number four. He's kind of the odd one out on this list. Puka Nakua, the wide receiver four in BPR formats this year. I mean, the good is that he just had the best rookie wide receiver season of all time. What, what, we can't debate that, can we? Like the numbers literally show it 104 receptions, 1,481 yards, six touchdowns. Like those, those are top the best rookie numbers, not touchdowns, but receptions and and yards, the most of any rookie wide receiver ever. He ran 2.72 yards per route. That was the sixth best. He was targeted on 29% of his routes. Also sixth best. I mean, he's a one in LA now. Sorry, Cooper cup. It's Puka Nakua. He's the number one here now. The bad, I mean, the bad is he had 10 drops this year. He had the most drops in the league this year. Uh, that's that's something that can be improved upon, but as we look at the bad, that definitely was a part of it. Uh, only 9.1 average depth of target in terms of yards. I was 75th, but again, like a Michael Pittman, he was 639 yards after the catch, which was fifth best in the league. So it, you make up for it, but again, to, to see those downfield explosive play opportunities would be nice, but hey, you know what? If this is McVay's offense, it's McVay's offense, but the ugly, the ugly is, you know, the, the middle of the season stretch where Cooper Cup came back, where Matthew Stafford was injured, where he ran into Dallas, Green Bay, and Cleveland for three of those matchups. But in those games, he gave you less than 45 receiving yards and four or less receptions in four out of six of those games. Uh, and he only scored once during that stretch as well. But that's the ugly for a guy who just had the best rookie wide receiver season ever. Mm-hmm. I is it crazy that I called him the wide receiver one in, in LA moving forward? I mean, it sure looked like it this year. I don't think I, maybe not crazy. Am I, am I jumping the gun? That's what I'll ask. That's what I'll say. I, I don't know if he's going to be clear in a way alpha, 
Yeah. Right. I think I think sure. Cup still got sure. something left in the tank. Yeah. Um, but you know, fantasy point wise, he definitely could be next year. Yeah, I I part of me believes that Cooper Cup was not at a hundred percent at all this past mm-hmm. year. Yep. So you get a full off season with those two. I I think this offense is one A, one B between their two stud wide receivers instead of Philly, that is clearly one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if Cup does come back and he's 100% and he is the alpha next year, I think Puka Nakua still has a very, very good fantasy role in this offense. As long as as long as long Matthew Stafford is back. If it's someone else, then then we have question marks. But as long as Stafford's back, I don't think it matters. I mean, obviously it matters, but I think he's good even if Cup is 100%. Yeah, and I'll and I'll my last point with Puka, um, he's he's going to be one of the safest plays next year. He's going to have one of the safest floors of all wide receivers. I like the stretch of the year where he was, you know, in his down games and stuff. He wasn't the only one that was struggling. The entire Rams offense struggled because mm-hmm. they're down Matt Stafford, they're down Kyron Williams, uh, not 100% Cooper Cup, right? Like they, you know, the entire offense struggled, and when they are fully healthy, they are a well oiled machine. We saw that against Detroit. So um he, he is going to be one of the safest players next year in fantasy. Yeah. I mean let's let's move on to the Lions because the number three wide receiver on the year in PPR formats was Amon Ross St. Brown. Ty, I know I did this right up here before I kicked it over to you. Uh do you want to cover it? You want me to fly through it here? Because I mean the definition of Amon Ra was consistency this year. I will just fly through it myself. Almost 120 receptions, over 1,500 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. He, I mean, everyone. I think we all had an inkling of a, you know, of a hint that he was going to be the only guy in this offense, and it, you know, I mean, it was solidified this year. I mean, it's happened the past two years now, um, but with how uh, how efficient, how explosive this offense is, he's by far one of the best assets to have in fantasy football. Um, he only had three games with less than 15 fantasy points, six finishes outside of the top 12 wide receivers, four outside the top 20. Like these are consistent numbers. You rarely were let down by Amon Ra. You rarely lost because of Amon Ross St. Brown. The bad were nitpicking 14th and routes ran. I'm being top 15. is still very, still very good. good. Right. Yeah. 23rd point. Yeah. 23rd of fantasy points for target. Again, like it, it, I will just say these are not my notes. These notes were already filled oh. in for me. Shout out to to I think it was Cam. Yeah, that was me. No, it was me. Well, but like was, literally, like I'm well, trying thanks, to find pal. the bad, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we're nitpicking. We're literally we're nitpicking. nitpicking here. Like well, I and, don't know. You you could literally take the piece of the outside the top 15 and outside the top 20 and put it in the bad and be like, well, it could have been better. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I'm on Raw giving nothing but consistency this year. He was probably one of like the most underrated picks you could have made this year. Yeah, I mean, and for the fact, I mean, he was going middle of the second round in drafts this year, and yep. I think, I don't know how I can keep Amon Ra out of my top six going into next year. Now, granted, be top five I, for me, easy. Well, year. so I should say this. Probably not. He's going to be a first-round guy because they are going to lose Ben Johnson. So, well, fair enough. That remains to be seen, but... um, Fair enough. I forgot about that piece. Yeah, yeah that was like, oh, wait a second. That's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. Yep. But look, I'm on Rob St. Brown. Like I said, you rarely lost. He rarely let you down this year. Um, he He's kind of what you want to look for in a wide receiver. And there's only one of those guys almost every year. 
And if you got if you got it right, you got it because it was Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to add anything onto that because that that's all there is to Amon Ra. He he pulled through for you when you needed him this year. You're disappointed a handful of weeks, but he ne- there was very rarely a week where Amon Ra St. Brown lost you a week. Maybe one game this year he lost you your week, but otherwise he won you or kept you in games left and right. Number two wide receiver on the year, dude. Tyreek Hill sucks. Yeah. Uh man, talk about choking away the number one wide receiver on the season. Man, what a bum. Yeah. Bum. <laughs> Shouldn't have got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Just be stay. just be healthier, dude. Yeah, Jeez. Just, just be be built out of vibranium or something. Have a bionic body or something. My gosh. What a fool. What a loser. Idiot. Uh, golly, Cameron. Yeah, just is. lay the hammer on Tyreek Hill, man. Yeah, I mean, 119, 119 receptions, 170 targets, back-to-back years with at least 110 receptions, 170 targets, back-to-back years with 1,700-plus yards. This year, he decided, you know what, seven touchdowns was, and last year. Let's go 13 this year. Um, weeks 1 through 13, he was wide receiver 1, averaging 26.1 fantasy points per game. That was four more than any other wide receiver during that time. And he had as many top three finishes this season as he did finishes outside the top 15 with six. So, I mean, he was – absolutely phenomenal and the bad was that he was got injured in week four miss week 15 or we got injured in week 14 miss week 15 other than that there was there was really no down he had one week with 10 points which you're like yeah that's so gross and the and week four <laughs> um he had one week with 12 points and then obviously the week he got hurt he had 10 and then he and then i guess he had one week with 13 everything else was 18 above had multiple I think he had nine or 10 weeks above 25 points this week, this year. It was just an absolutely ridiculous season, Tyree kill. And if you are going to doubt him next year, I can't help you. I can't help you. I can't recommend it. Yep. <laughs> what if Tua Tagovailoa isn't the quarterback? Then he's probably going to be even better. <laughs> I, I won't necessarily argue with that. Because it <laughs> honestly could be better than Tua Tagovailoa next year, depending on how the quarterback market shakes out. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're not going to add anything onto Tyreek Hill because you know how good he was this year and we're not going to nitpick the good and bad of Tyreek Hill. Just like we're not going to nitpick the good and the bad of, of CD lamb, who is the overall wide receiver oh, one this my. year. I mean, this man was incredible. He was incredible this year. This single-handedly brought me back to back to dynasty championships. I, I, I hate to do a tie. I'm sorry, but yeah, can't well, can't you? How many? Don't talk to me about how, how many championships you choked away this year. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I haven't had fun like this on the podcast in a while. CD Lamb, 135 receptions, nearly 1,800 yards, 12 touchdowns. Those were all career highs. He's targeted on nearly 30% of his routes, 2.9 yards per route run. That was fifth. And after the bye from week 18 on, he scored 313.6 fantasy points. That was 28.2 PPR fantasy points per game. That was 106 more fantasy points than the wide receiver to Amon Ross St. Brown. That was seven more fantasy points per game than the wide receiver to Tyreek Hill. I mean, he dominated the second half of the season. He single-handedly brought you home the championship. And the good and the, the, the bad and the ugly, they're just kind of one and the same because he got off to a slow start the first six weeks of the season. He was a wide receiver, 19 of fantasy points per game, averaging less than 15 fantasy points per game. But after that, it was wheels up. He did not look back, uh, and he was the by far the best wide receiver in fantasy football this year. 
Yeah, it's crazy I say by the, far, but but you get my second point. half of the season. Yeah, it was second wasn't half quite. of the season. He was. Yeah, it, it's crazy to think because like we talk about like a lot of these guys lows like they have like a four week stretch for the wide receiver thirty six. His low was the wide receiver nineteen or <laughs> averaging fifteen right. fantasy points per game. Like that was his awful. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it was a fantastic year by CD Lamb. He's gonna be in that conversation with Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, probably Jamar Chase next year for the what first overall pick in your drafts. Yeah, I, I think he has inserted himself into that top tier yeah, now. Tyreek Hill should be in there as well, yeah. They right, have. and Tyreek Hill, right. You have Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, Tyreek Hill, and I now think C.D. Lamb makes himself yep. the fourth person in that list. Ty, you look like you're in distress. Are you still mourning your championship loss at the hands of C.D. Lamb? It's okay if you are. We you can get you help. mourning it. You didn't even deserve to be in it. <laughs> Says the guy that couldn't even beat Says the, the guy that should have been in it. All right, you got lucky. You got lucky. No, that's like a new form of torture for for me because yes, I lost to CD Lamb, but oh my gosh, my um you could there. Jeez, technical losing time. My geez. gosh, trying to keep, keep up with my mic here. You're not moving on me. What's it doing? No, it's just this came at the detriment of Tony Pollard, and I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, oh yeah, no, Tony Pollard, we're dead and buried. We we're, we're not digging him up anymore. One does not simply just forget about how bad of a season <laughs> it was. So just move on. <laughs> uh, wide receiver flies. Anything we want to add before we close it out here? Get me out of here! No. Uh, All right. Greatest... FF. Oh wait, Be- best best stat of wide receiver not in the top fifteen. Justin Jefferson played ten games, eight full games, still had a thousand yards receiving, and still was tied for the most hundred and forty yard games this season with five of them. He's really freaking good. Kevin yep. O'Connell has a really good offense. Yep. All right. That's uh, all. FFL is on Twitter. The FFL is on Instagram. Fancy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, make sure you do that. Turn on those notifications as well. We still got content coming to you all off season long. Only one podcast a week now. Only one YouTube video a week. Uh, shorts will be coming out a little bit slower of a rate as well, but we will still have weekly content for you. At least four to five pieces of content every single week. So. There will be no shortage of content for you. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, we are grateful for your support over there. Make sure you subscribe uh, and turn on those notifications so you know when all of our new episodes are live. I am at Lucas Wenzel on Twitter. Cam Law, FFF for Cameron. Tyler underscore plot for Tyler. We will see you all next week where we will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the top 10 quarterbacks from fantasy football this year. So stay, until then, stay safe, stay healthy. We will chat with you all next week. Thanks for your support. We'll see you all soon. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.